0: So the first part here that we're going to look at, um, and it's point number one, is active disobedience flows out of the dead. Now, this is really important because what Paul is going to really drive home is this active way of living. Um, If you you claim to be something, you've got to be active in it, right? If you um, say that you um, are a bodybuilder, um, what is it likely that you do? Work out, right? If you, if you uh, claim to be a rock climber, what is something that you do, Nelson? Start a gym, right? And like, you, just, you just start a rock climbing gym. If, you, if you're like a, a real rock climber, I meet people now and they're like, yeah, I like, I like bouldering. That's like the, the real cool word for like climbing and it's like a different technical thing that, that they do. You do bouldering and I meet them, I'm like, but did you start a gym? No, then you're not legit, right? And there's, there's a point where um, even with sports, when I was a kid, I played several sports. Well, then it hit a point where the sport was taking up a lot of time. Football, they start that in the spring, you start doing some conditioning. In summers, you're doing two-a-days. And you don't have time for anything else, so if you want to become a football player, you need to devote yourself to playing football. That's why you, you rarely hear about college athletes who play two sports, even though they're there. But if they want to go professional, they have to pick one. Now what Paul is going to lay out for us is you are either going to choose one or the other. If you've surrendered your life to Christ, you've been made a new creation. So now you are committed to actively living that out. And if you're not, you are actively committing yourself to sin and destruction. There's only two. There's only two. And we would love the the third one, right? We would love to say that, yes, we can believe in Jesus, but live however we want, and it doesn't really matter. Now, Paul's point all the way up to here is that your salvation is not dependent upon your work. But well, because we've been saved, we've been freed, we've been made new creations, then we have to live like it. There has to be some kind of fruit. So the first point he makes here is that active disobedience, those who participate uh, habitually and sinning and being a part of sin, are nothing but dead because active disobedience, church, flows out of the dead. It flows from those who are dead and their sins. That's why Paul, he says here, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that's the solution here. If you want to not gratify the desires of the flesh, if you don't want to give in to them, walk by the Spirit. That's when the Bible says, Don't quench the Spirit. That means to not ignore God's conviction in your life when you're doing what is wrong. When we feel that conviction... We have the choice to either submit to God and not sin or to quench the spirit, not get rid of the spirit, but to quench, to silence, to, to push to the side and sin. And then he, he makes this point here that the two, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit are at odds with one another. They are opposed in a way that it keeps us from doing the things that you want to do. So you can't do one hoping to satisfy the other. If we commit ourselves to sin, we are doing that which is against the Spirit, that which is against God and His Word. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Again, he's making his point here. If you are a believer, you're not under the law so as to have to fulfill it and to be under its curse. For Christ has set you free from that. But if you are not being led by the Spirit, you are under the law, and the law is telling you that you can't do this, these things. And he he starts to list them. And he tells them, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. And a lot of us, we begin to know this list. And very easily, we can point out the first few. This list is easy. And this is what we do. We begin to, to make lists, and we're like, yes. And then we stop. But what Paul doesn't do is stop there. He says sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Yep, we know that one. Impurity, sensuality. Mm-hmm. Yep. See a lot of that in the world, right? We look at that, that verse, verse 19. Man, the outside world is, is just... Terrible. Then he says envy. Then he says drunkenness and orgies and things like these. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anybody who is doing these things is not doing the will of God. These things belong to those who are dead, who have not been made alive. See, church, these are the things that we long for apart from Christ. So how can we who are in Christ long for these things? This is disobedience. And church, let me say something. This is easy. We look at this list, and, and the first part, we're like, yeah, we would never get in, involved in that. But then you think of fits of anger. We were talking at a at, at guy's group about how to stir one another up to good works. And I said, man, the, the thing that I love to do the most is to stir the pot, right? I like to, to kind of get people, like, wound up. And, and not, not literally in the sense of, like, I like to, like, really irritate people, but, like, in a, in a friend group, and a lot of you all know, like, I like to find, like, the buttons, and I like to poke and have fun. But when we're actually mad at each other, when, when you think about, like, a dispute, if you're married, you can, you can look at that. We really poke each other's buttons, right? And instead of encouraging one another to, to repentance, instead of considering our actions and how we can, we can make this a beautiful moment of reconciliation that, that glorifies God, and that may sound so silly, of course, pastor would make a, a marital argument into a gospel presentation, because it is. Because everything that we do in our life reflects his goodness or reflects our sin and our own path. It's either active disobedience or active obedience, and instead of taking those moments to display the power of the gospel and how it reconciles those who are at odds with one another, what we do is we show our flesh. And then Paul says here very clearly, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I remember um, at our ascending church they did a Q&A And this passage came up and and someone had sent in a question. It says, I've done something on that list. Does that mean that I will not inherit the kingdom of God? And church, I'm sure that if we're all honest, we can find something on that list. I mean, jealousy. I don't need hands raised, but let let me just put it out there. Jealousy, this is something I've dealt with. Rivalries were... were, uh, We're a covetous people, right? We find idols. We can find something in that list. Now, does that mean that we will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, the question you have to ask yourself to answer that question truthfully is, are you actively participating in this with no conviction and with no repentance? Because if I said, I'm okay with this idol being before God, you all would say, hopefully, Michael, that's sinful, Michael, you can't just continue to have an idol before God. But luckily, Christ has set me free and made me a new creation so that I will inherit the kingdom of God because of the finished work of Christ. And now because of that new life I have, I'm not seeking to actively, habitually live out that life. 2 Corinthians 5 uh, 5 says this. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Now, this is going to be the difference because if we have the Spirit, we look at that list and we feel conviction. Now, when we participate and we do something on that list, that conviction should lead to repentance. R. C. Sproul says this of uh 2 Corinthians 5:5. 5, 5. He says, uh, this is a guarantee. The Holy Spirit's work in us is now a daily renewal and spiritual strengthening. And it's both a foretaste and the guarantee of the future completion of the work and resurrection bodies and complete sanctification. Now, church, when you feel that conviction, not, not just guilt, not just shame, but conviction and conviction, church, leads to repentance. When we feel that, when we experience that, what that says is, I am no longer a slave to sin, but I am a child of who, church? God. And that is key, because that is not something that the world feels. Everybody feels a sense of guilt and shame, right? We have a sense of right and wrong, a sense of general morality. Though it seems like things are shifting in the culture, there's still a general sense of these things. And what R.C. Sproul says there is so important. It's a, uh, a foretaste and a guarantee. It's a foretaste of, of that which is to come when we receive our glorified bodies and we no longer deal with the battle of flesh and sanctification, for we will be made whole. But for now, church, look to that sign and actively obey because that's the difference in us in the world, is how we obey God, whether we do or whether we don't. Those who do such things habitually will not inherit the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17. I don't have that one. Nice. noise. Should have the kids do a sword drill. All right, Romans um, 14, 17 says this. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Like, that's so important for us to understand. It's it's not a matter of what we're doing outwardly. It's a matter of what God has done inwardly. And because of that, we know that it all comes from the Holy Spirit. It says, but of righteousness, that's obedience, church. That's the righteousness of Christ that's been imputed to us and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So then what? What for us, church? Well, since we've been made a new creation, we understand the act of obedience flows out of the living. Point number two. So act of disobedience, first off, flows out of the dead. Those who are without Christ Jesus as their Lord. Those things, that list, those who habitually participate in that, show signs of those who are dead and their trespasses. But since we've been made alive, since we have believed and surrendered our lives to Christ, we've been made alive. So this act of obedience flows out of us, or it should flow out of us. And again, this is the transition, because Paul has built his case that we are saved, we are justified, remember, just as if I'd never sinned because of Jesus. That means one day you can stand before the Father, Father God, right?, Stand before him justified because of Christ. That when the Father looks at you on the day of judgment, he sees no longer your transgressions, but the righteousness of Christ that was imputed to you. Isn't that so good that, that God is not going to look at you, even though he knows everything you've done, but he's going to look at you and see Christ in you, just as if you'd never sinned. That's justification. And it's because of the finished work of Christ. So your justification comes from the finished work of Christ. Your sanctification comes because you're justified in Christ. That we're sanctified, right? We're being made new. It doesn't mean that our sanctification starts at the day that we die, right? That was something I always heard when I was a kid. It's like, ah, you can just kind of get, get your life together when you get a little bit older, And then you fall into that trap and you're a little bit older and you realize that you wish you would have started a little bit sooner because there's some things that have maybe happened in your life and you start to regret and you feel shameful. Don't. But let us not sit back and tell the next generation those same lies because active obedience, church, must flow out of those who have been made alive in Christ. We must be obedient. We must be sanctified. We must show signs of life if we're not dead. Amen? He says this, he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's just beautiful. And this is so aggravating too, because my flesh says like, I'm none of those But guess what, church? You've been made all of those in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus hasn't left us with no help, but indeed has poured out the helper to us, the Holy Spirit. So now, because of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to say, well, I I am um, an angry person. No, because of the Spirit, because of Jesus, you've been made a gentle person. So you have the ability to be gentle, to be patient, to be kind to be loving, to be joyful, to be peaceful. The the one that hurts with a three and a six year old at home is patience, right? Patience. But guess what? If I stop and don't gratify the desires of my flesh but walk with the spirit, I can be a patient father. I can be a, a patient husband. I can be a loving and joyful husband to be around if I do not gratify the desires of the flesh, but rather walk with the Spirit. And that's the key. Paul is pointing them to the Spirit, which is evidence, the guarantee of our salvation. So church, do you all feel the Spirit in your life? I'm not talking about for like a moment, right, where like maybe you feel like moved, but you feel like the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life not like audibly talking. It doesn't have to be like that. A lot of us don't, don't listen to the TV pastors. Like, do you hear the, the Holy Spirit telling you to like walk? Do you like feel like wind blowing through? No. Do you feel a sense of God and his direction in your life? Do you feel conviction of sin? Are you convinced of the Holy Scriptures? And are you led to a place of Repentance. See, this is such a beautiful list, and and don't look at one and think, like, I only need one because it's like some kind of gift. No, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus talked about fruit also, how it flows out of those who are in him and uh, he in those, right? John uh, 15, verses 1 through 8, Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He's not saying you have to do these to be my disciples. He's saying that this this fruit is evidence that you are my disciples. So church, when, when we do good works, when we do things in the name of Jesus, it's not for our salvation, church. It's because of our salvation. It is showing the world that we are his and he is ours. So when you're doing something good this week, think about how it glorifies God and makes less of your name, right? How it's making much of the name of Jesus, and it's, it's exalting Jesus, and it's showing his power in our weakness, and it's leaving us behind because it's not about us. Now, people will look to you. People looked at Paul, and Paul's like, I, I wish that I wouldn't have baptized. I'm glad I didn't baptize some of you because it's about Paul, or it's about Barnabas. Or it's about this person, that person. He's like, it wasn't about any of us. It was about Jesus, those things are inevitable, right? We can think of a pastor that maybe we follow or listen to. We just kind of cling to them. We love them so much. They've helped us in our walk. But their mission is about pointing people to Christ. And man, Jesus' words are, are so real and something that we need to remember is that, that we ought to be bearing fruit because... If we are in him and he is in us, we've got no other way to live. There's no other way. Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires Church, all of our sin, all of our desires were crucified with Christ on the cross. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't struggle with those desires, but what it means is you're not going to continue to habitually sin. Why? Because you're, you're stronger now? No, because you have the Spirit in you who is working His will according to His purpose and for His glory. Romans 6.6. 6. I have that one? All right, cool. Nice. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Remember, that that's, that's that freedom, right? We know that our old self was crucified. Now imagine Christ on the cross, and I know it's a terrible picture, but it's because of that picture. It's because of the finished work that he did on the cross that we are made alive. Our sin was crucified with him to that cross church. He took the sin. He bore the penalty in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. It's that freedom, it's the sweetness of freedom that Paul has continued to point them to. And one of the things that he does here is he points them to community. Church, that we are to be an active community. And as an active community, church, that active community demands that we serve one another. It demands service to one another. Point number three. Each one of us has the same holy, living God inside of us. We don't have part of him. We have all of him. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside of all who believe. That means as we read the word, we're able to understand the exact thing together that God wants us to learn from that. If we submit to what he has to say. So we can't be running off and saying, no, that's not sin. No, this is sin. No, that is sin. And this isn't sin. We are to, together, be active in reading, being diligent, as we talked last week about reading the scriptures, doing these things together. And as we do so, we serve one another. And this service, church, isn't just, hey, how can I help you, right? How can I, can, how can I help you um, meet a need this week? You got a bill you need paid? Do you, do you need some uh, work around your yard, around the property? Can I help you do some service like that, right? That's good. We are also called to that. But one of the most difficult things we are called to, church, in our service to our brothers and sisters in Christ is to call them out of their sin and into sanctification. See, when's the last time we saw a brother or sister sinning and we didn't say anything? Now, I'd love to tell you all my last time, but it would be too embarrassing to me the last time I saw someone sinning and just didn't say anything because it's kind of easier to like let it pass and let the Holy Spirit do His work. But when we read from chapter 6, we understand that it is our job, church, to lovingly call each other out of that sin. It's our job, church, to lovingly call our brothers and sisters in Christ who have been absent from church for three, four weeks, whatever it might be, and just check in on them. Hey, how's your health? How are you doing? How can I pray for you? It doesn't have to be, hey, where have you been? Right? It can be simple, it can be like, hey, how are you doing? Because there's a good chance that they're not doing okay and they just need some love and prayer. There's a good chance that they don't want to come back. And you've got to have the hard conversation like, well, if it's not here, are you going to get plugged in somewhere else? Is there something specifically you're, you're running from? Is it from the word? Is it, is it something that was said? Or are, are we in sin? But Paul says here, he says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, that doesn't mean... How we think of it to be spiritual, like the one who burns incense and like falls on their knees at 6 p.m. every night and and prays to God, like the, the overly spiritual, right? No, those who are saved, those of you who are believers in Christ, this is your job. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of what, church? Gentleness. It's a fruit of the spirit, Gentleness. That when we do so, church, the goal is reconciliation. The goal is restoration, not shame. See, I feel like a lot of times we've been shamed so much um, and and not called to repentance. We've been shamed because of our sin that we don't want to have these conversations. But lay that to rest. Our calling out of our brothers and sisters, our being called out by our brothers and sisters is not to be shamed. And if it is, then shame on us, right? Right. Let us repent of our sins. But rather it's to see them restored and reconciled to those who they've sinned against, but also to God. And he goes on, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That bear one another's burdens goes deeper than like, hey, you're just, you're dealing with life. Like, right, like you lost your job. It's not just that, but it's bearing also their sin with them the weight of their sin and going through that, walking through that messy process of, of reconciliation. And then he says, For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Such an interesting, interesting word here from Paul. And church, it's something that, that we, we do uh, with people. We, we judge our walk with Christ based off of someone else's walk with Christ. When I was playing baseball, I'd always, to make myself feel good, right, one of the things I would do is like, huh, watching Johnny hit the ball, or miss the ball, rather, and be like, Johnny can't hit the ball. Johnny couldn't hit water if he jumped out of a boat. You know what I mean? Like, can't hit. I'm a good hitter. And then I'd see old Zach Sizemore hitting bombs over the fence, I'm like, yeah, but he's going, he's going pro, right? And, and Zach did get a scholarship, but I always made myself feel like the best baseball player on the field by, by watching old, my old buddy Johnny swing the, the bat. I was like, man, Johnny, you, you can't hit, man. Like, I can show you how to hit sometime, right? And I just make myself feel better. And Paul's point here is, is that in our calling out of our brothers and sisters, we ought not to put ourselves on a pedestal, but rather put Christ on a pedestal grab our brother or sister and say, hey, let's put Jesus in the perspective because he doesn't want us to live like that. Not, hey, hey, look at me and how great I am, but no, hey, look at the righteousness of Christ. Do we see that? Do we see that Christ has bore our sin and penalty and imputed his righteousness to us? We can't live like that, man. Test your own work. 2 Corinthians 13, verses five and six. Paul says this, and he says this to, and, and the second letter to the church in Corinth, They were a lot better, but this was a very corrupt church. Read 1 Corinthians. Just read it all. It's wild. But he says this to them. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this is about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. Church, this is is the difficult part of Christianity. The easy part is to say, we're free in Jesus, right? We're free, Christ has set us free, but now we got to get to the nitty, gritty, the 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 tangible, the practical. Of do we see evidence of Christ in our life? Not do you see yourself being perfect? Do you see yourself like where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? Like it's not like the 10-step Christian plan of like how to like get there. It's the here and now of how are you being obedient to God and his word. Both in our life, both in our, our churches, in our church's life also. Like having those difficult conversations with brothers and sisters when they're in sin. Church, not only that, but how will we respond when our brothers and sisters in Christ call us out for not living like Christ. If we, if we had someone from our church call those who we work with um, and said, hey, you, you work with, with uh, Michael. Is he, did you know he's a Christian? What would they say? Oh, he, so he's a Christian. Does he, does he live like it? Are his, are his words gentle? Would you say that they're seasoned with salt? They'd probably be like, what? <laughs> are they, Is he nice? Is he kind? Is he respectful? Is he respectable? Is he honest? Have you all had difficult conversations with him? If we went and talked to, to each other's neighbors and said, hey, do you, do you know the guy who lives on the corner here of East Union and North Jefferson? Is he crazy? Is his dog wild? How's he treat his dog? How's he treat his family, his kids, right? Do, do they see the goodness of Christ inside of you? being reflected through you, through your word, and through your deed. See, this is where it gets real, because we are not only to proclaim Christ over our life on Sunday mornings, and not just to proclaim Christ over our life by our mouth and our word, but also, church, the way that we live, the way that we act, the way that we serve one another. And we are to do that. We are to do these things. And Paul's getting down to that. And he's, next week, he's just going to close up the letter. But church, we have to do something with this. We don't believe in legalism. We don't believe that we are to tell people, if you want to be a Christian, you need to believe in Jesus and do this. But we are to be honest with each other, church, and say, if you believe in Jesus, you've been set free and you've been called to a new life. And this is what that new life looks like. I'm committing myself to you. And I just pray that you would commit yourself to me, to hold one another accountable, to living according to his word, to live out his purpose. And that's tough. This to be my, my quick plug, uh, two quick plugs. Get plugged into a group. Be part of a group because that's where we do life together. We laugh. We talk about hard things. We have difficult conversations at times. We have super easy conversations. Sometimes we don't even get to the, the, the conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like we it takes a while to get a group guide. What is it? You always talk about scripture, talk about scripture? the whole time? Yeah. It says honesty in here. Fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) Honesty. That's my plug. Do life together. Second one, believe in the gospel. If you've yet to believe in the gospel, surrender your life to Christ, do it today. Church, go ahead and stand. Uh, We're going to sing. We're going to sing of that goodness. Um, And what it means to believe in the gospel is, is to repent of your sins and believe in Jesus. It's so simple. Um, and then he will set you free. I'd love to talk to you more about that if you have questions. And it's because of that freedom that we have in Christ that we sing this morning. We're going to sing freely to him. Um going to end with Before the Throne of God. So church, I'm just going to pray for us and then we'll uh, sing it out this morning. Father God, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for uh, the truth of your word. And I pray that you would just correct anything that's come out of my mouth that needs to be corrected. God, that your spirit would do that work in our hearts now. Uh, but God, I do pray that we would be so faithful to your word. Um, God, that we would grow um, in our knowledge of Christ um, and in that knowledge that your spirit would show us the way that we are to live that out practically. Um, God, I pray that your spirit would just show us ways that we need to be um, more faithful to our brothers and sisters in Christ and calling them to repentance um, and calling them to faithfulness according to your word and for your purpose. God, may you be glorified in all that we do. Uh, would you be with us the rest of this week as we seek the opportunity to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, to point not to our pedestal, but to, to Christ on the cross, looking at, at how he took our sin, he bore our sin, and he imputed his righteousness. How good. Father, we don't deserve to stand before you as righteous. We are but filthy rags, but you were good and you were so kind. We bow before you and we just thank you. We thank you for all that you've done and how you've given us life. May we reflect that life that we have in you this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.